Hello, I'm Friedel. And I'm Andrew. Welcome to our latest radio show, and this time we're in Damascus in Syria. Yeah, we thought we'd uh, give you some uh, thoughts on Turkey and Syria, uh, where we spent the last couple of months. We've been having a great time in these countries, so we've got plenty to share with you, including a couple interviews that we recorded with other bicycle travelers over the last little while. Yeah, a Swedish couple, and uh, also... Um a guy from Manchester who we met in uh, near Olympus. And we've definitely got some tips if you're thinking of coming to this area. So, I guess we should get started. Maybe I should begin by where we're uh, situated and why there's so much noise, probably. Uh, we're actually in a tea shop. Behind us is actually a baker. He's basically uh, throwing, throwing bread into his oven and it's coming out and people are lined up, waiting, waiting and waiting to get the, to get the bread, obviously, for lunch. You can't blame them. It smells fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it does, actually. We're not too far away from uh, a main street, and uh, there's a bit of traffic around here, and uh, a couple little tea shops. There's a cobbler just around the corner, and um, various little shops uh, just about town. It's a lovely little area of Damascus, actually. It's what some of the guidebooks call the backpacker district, because there are two or three really good budget hotels and so there's a nice collection of little cafes and, and restaurants and things to keep you busy during the day. Yeah. And we've been having a really good time here. But before we uh, talk about uh, our travels, we'd like to send a big thank you out to uh, Tina at um, Cascade Design, who makes uh, Thermarest. Thermarest are the sleeping mats that we've been using on our trip. And, of course, you need a sleeping mat when you're camping, especially in the cooler weather because the ground gets very cold and without it you just freeze all night. And one of our mats developed a problem recently and Tina's was just so good about getting us out of replacement really quickly to Damascus. Yeah, she uh, basically got it shipped out, no problem. It was here in a few days and uh, we're really grateful. And, in fact, she's helped us out a, a few times now with different things and so we really want to send out a big thank you to Tina and, of course, the whole team at Cascade Designs because... It's obviously a fantastic company that stands behind its products and goes out of its way to help its customers, and that's so rare to find these days. <laughs> <laughs> so we're very, very grateful. Thank you so much, Tina, if you're listening, and we would uh, heartily encourage anyone, if you're planning a big trip or just like to do a bit of camping and are looking for a mat, to look at Thermarest because they obviously stand behind their products and will help you out if you have any problems, which hopefully you won't, but if you do, <laughs> then it's nice to, know, nice to know they're there. And now I guess we should move on to some of our experiences in Syria. Yeah, we've uh, been absolutely loving it here in Syria. We uh, we thought we would, and uh, it's been more than uh, more than we could imagine, really. I think one of the things that definitely makes it so fantastic is the people. I mean, you hear a lot if you don't travel in the Middle East, you're not familiar with it, and you just watch the news, you hear a lot of bad things about this region, but when you get here, everyone is just so overwhelmingly friendly, and I don't think there's been a single day on our bicycles where someone hasn't invited us in for tea, or asked us to stay the night, or given us some food, we go to a shop to buy something, they won't take our money, mm, I mean, it's yeah. really just overwhelming, and that happens every single day. Yeah, it's quite quite amazing that... Uh friendliness and and people just willing to help you uh, almost everywhere we we almost can't avoid it sometimes the other thing that's been really great about syria is the history here how many archaeological sites have we seen and they've all been fantastic yeah i mean even some of them are just the ruins are sitting in just fields of uh, olives and people are picking the olives and as if the ruins weren't even there and you can just wander freely among so many of them. I mean, there are the very big sites like Palmyra, where you definitely have to pay an admission fee, and the amphitheater down in Bosra. 
uh, the admission fee usually runs about three dollars, 150 Syrian pounds if, if you have to pay to get in. But then there are so many others we come across when we're cycling, and we just kind of wander in. I'm sure we could even set our tent up there if we really yeah, wanted if to. Yeah, really a lot wanted of them. to. Yeah. And so that's been a real highlight. We've also enjoyed uh, Aleppo. Aleppo was um, quite a, in comparison to Damascus, this is a smaller city to walk around and just had as many uh, things, a wonderful soup, a citadel. Uh, we just kind of enjoyed uh, the laid-backness of, uh, of Aleppo. It was quite nice. And a very good hotel there. That certainly added to our enjoyment, the Al Gawahar. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but if you ask anyone for that hotel, they should be able to direct you. It's quite near the clock tower, and it's very clean. It's not expensive at all, but what really makes it are the staff and the other people that stay there. We met so many interesting people there. We met uh, a couple that were hitchhiking from Spain down to Australia. We met another lady who's who's Spanish, uh, who's living in New York, and she's been just about everywhere that you shouldn't go. She's been to North Korea and all the countries like that. She really had some wonderful tales to tell. So, yeah, that that particular hotel with its salon where everyone would gather at night and chat over a, a glass of wine or whatever, that was fantastic and really made Aleppo for us. And as for the cycling... It's been uh, reasonably easy, hasn't it? Not, yeah. not too many high mountain passes. Not too many. There's not too many high mountains at all uh, in Syria, except along the border with uh, Lebanon. Um, and it's been yeah, mostly flat. Um, very good roads. I'm really surprised. Uh, the roads are almost better than what we've seen in Turkey. In Turkey, we had a lot of chip-sealed roads, or maybe with cracks and potholes, and that kind of gets to you after a whole day of that. But in Syria, there aren't so many roads to choose from, maybe, but they're all very well surfaced. And on the major highways, we always had a, a wide shoulder, and so there was never any problem there. Yeah, a very usually a very wide shoulder, almost the length of a, a lane, and and traffic gives you plenty of room anyway. Yeah, Syrian drivers are pretty special in the sense that they're, they are aggressive, there's no doubt about it, and you only have to look at a taxi to see how many dents and scratches it's got to get an idea of how mm. wildly they can drive, but as a cyclist they seem to give you a fair amount of space when they're passing. Sorry, I'm looking at the bread. <laughs> Come on, Andrew, back with the show. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> If it's just me talking after a while, you'll know it's because Andrew's gone to join the lineup at the bakery. He's just <laughs> eyeing the bread, drooling. <laughs> He's just come out with a dozen more uh, little uh, patties of uh, bread. Hmm. <laughs> Afterwards. After, after, after. after. <laughs> so those are a few of our little thoughts on Syria. I don't know, have there been any downsides, do you think? I suppose sometimes uh, we've we've kind of stopped and started to look at the map and just go, okay, I think we're going the right oh. I think we should be going this direction and then just want to uh, have a break or rest. And not two minutes later, somebody stops and says, can I help you? Where are you going? Uh, sometimes you just, at that point, just would like to be uh, by yourself. But, uh, hey, they're all being friendly. Yeah, they all have very good intentions, but it's true that sometimes just at the moment when you want five or ten minutes to yourself just to lay your head back and relax, there are a crowd of people around who really want to talk with you. I guess because there aren't, in reality, that many tourists here, and even fewer out in the rural regions. As a tourist, you're really still quite a novelty, and people love to meet you and practice their English or whatever. And also the maps have sometimes been a little bit inaccurate, and that can be a problem, but you just have to stop and ask directions an awful lot and expect to get lost as part of the adventure. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we've uh, been... We have about... I think three different types of maps, one from the Tourism Association and a couple others that we've been gifted. And uh, 
they're all missing a few things and uh, the roads the road numbers don't correspond at all so it's it's been an adventure and mostly going by what people tell you uh, is the direction to a town eventually works out it may be a little bit longer than you want it to be but hey well that's yeah. an adventure maybe a compass wouldn't be a bad thing to bring to Syria just so you can verify whether a road is going the direction you want it to. A nice little extra, but not totally necessary. So those are a few thoughts on Syria. Now I think maybe it's time to share an interview that we did. We're going to share an interview we did with a a Swedish couple uh, that we met uh, just as we were coming into Istanbul. Their names are Corinna and Johnny, and they're doing a tour that took in a good chunk of Europe, Turkey, Thailand, that's where they are now, Mm And they're going onwards to New Zealand. So a feral tour. And it starts with a story of something horrible that happened to them in Romania. Yeah, something very terrible. They had their bikes stolen, which is probably every cycle tour's worst nightmare. And so here's the tale of what happened and how they dealt with it. We were uh, camping on a field. We couldn't find any other accommodation. So we just had to camp. There were no trees, nothing to hide behind. And uh, when we woke up in the morning, the bikes were gone. And you'd lock them? Yes, we locked them together. We locked them as you should lock them, but it didn't help. That must have been absolutely devastating. I think it's everyone's worst nightmare to be stuck in a field in the middle of nowhere with no bikes. It was actually middle of nowhere because there were so few cars. There were most uh, horses around that poor area, but... We found friendly people that helped us to the nearest biggest city, Krajova, and then we got help from the uh, police officers there. Uh, we have a, a, among police officers in the world, we have International Police Association, and they were also members, and they were very, very helpful. But unfortunately, they couldn't find our bikes, so... At that point, did you just feel like giving up? I mean, I think some people, maybe me included, would just think, oh, that's too much, you know, now I stop. But No, we never had that in our mind. We tried to find some new bikes in Bucharest, but they didn't have proper bikes for us. So we had to fly back home and get our old ones. We decided that would be the best way to continue our journey. And now we've met you just on the outskirts of the centre of Istanbul. Tell us about getting into the city, because I know that's a big debate among cyclists. Istanbul has quite the reputation for being difficult. Okay, then maybe we didn't know that, because we came... uh, We were biking around Marmara, and uh, we just felt we were very satisfied with Turkey. We wanted to go to Istanbul, so we took the ferry from Bandirna. And we came to Yenikab. And if you come that way with a ferry, I think that's the best way to approach Istanbul. <laughs> because now we're biking along the um, Marmara, quite uh, all the way into the city centre. But you got a ferry fairly close to Istanbul to start with, so you escaped all the motorways on the Yes, but I think most ferries from the south part come to Yenikapi, so we were lucky. Okay, that's a good tip for next time. Maybe we'll take that instead of <laughs> braving <Okay>. the motorways. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and where are you going from here? You're spending a few days in Istanbul. Yes, we are spending a few days in Istanbul. Then we are taking a flight to Thailand, and we are meeting some friends and relatives. And then we are biking for about six weeks around Thailand. And then we continue to New Zealand, as I told you. Is this the first big bike trip that you've done, or...? Big and big. We, we've been our vacations. We have biked before, but mostly uh, in the Baltic countries, Poland, very much in Denmark and Sweden, of course. So, 
mostly in Scandinavia, but we made a small trip uh, when we flew to Malaga in Spain and we biked to Faro in Portugal. Portugal. We wanted to test before this trip, make a sort of test trip. Have there been any real challenges that you faced along the way, aside from having your bike stolen? Or Oh yeah, the dogs, the dogs here in Turkey, they, they were actually very, very scary. And when we were sort of uh, thinking that this is too much for us, the, the heavy traffic, the sound, the wind, the bad, some of the bad roads, and now the dogs, it felt like, like it, this is too much. But then we were sort of having a debriefing and got some uh, small equipment, and then we just headed. What's been the best part of the trip so far? People. So many friendly people. And, and so unexpectedly friendly, like they, they were um, wishing our good luck and, and people uh, approach you and, and asking you, is everything all right? Do you know where you're heading? And they are applauding and giving you courage to go on. What's the country that you're most looking forward to as you, as you go forward? Oh, New Zealand. Has that been a dream of yours for a long time? Or? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I'm sure I love the countryside because we like camping. We like to be out in the nature. So I'm looking forward to New Zealand. What do you do most nights when you're on the road? Do you spend them mostly camping? And, and do you do that within campsites? or If we can. But since uh, the, the experience in Romania, in Karina, we do not free camp. Sort of, if, we, if we find a campsite, then we will camp. But mostly, I mean, we are a bit older, so <laughs> we, we try to find some cheaper hotels, motels, or something like that. And it's in, in some parts, it, it's very, uh, I mean, the prices are, are good, so you can afford that. But in some parts, then you have to settle with the, the less good accommodations. Do you actually have a, a daily budget on the trip? Or? Yes, we have one. It was, uh, how do you say, broken. But we, ha uh, we had this experience in Romania when we had to buy expensive uh, flight tickets back home and then uh, new flight tickets to uh, uh, Bulgaria. So the budget did not the best at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> May I ask what it was? How much it was? Hmm. It, it, just to give people an idea, because sometimes people are planning a trip, they're not oh, sure how much money to put yeah. aside. But how many? Oh, you, you mean for our trip? How, yeah, our how, how much your budget was? Oh, uh, we were planning. Let's say um, for both of us, uh, we call it finger like this. Uh, we are budgeting about seventy euro per day. Okay, seventy euro. Yeah, um, like that. But with the flights and everything, obviously, no, no. that was hard to keep to. <laughs> yeah, but that, that, then, then all, all the flights and all the equipment are not included in this. I'm, I'm talking about the daily, the food, uh, the accommodation, like this. Okay. That's what we budget. And I see you've both got your bikes are fully loaded. What have you got on there? Everything you need to camp and yes, cook with? Yes, kitchen, uh, very, very few clothes. That's what we learned, that you don't need much clothes. Give but, us an idea of what you have for clothes. Some two bike shorts, some t-shirts, very thin and small t-shirts. But all I, I bought an exclusive rain jacket. Rain clothes are, are, are sort of, and maybe some of our luggage is um, 
how do you say expensive but we thought it would be best to, to buy good quality because it, it has to last for a year but otherwise we're very not exclusive things <laughs> for the daily so you put all your money into your Ortlieb bags yes and... we thought it would be, and the bikes that were stolen but okay okay that's another story what's your What's the most important thing that you're carrying with you? Is there one thing that... The bike. Well, okay, aside from the bike. <laughs> yeah. Aside from the bike. Well, maybe it's uh, it's my rain clothes because it is very tough if you have a hard, cold rain. That That's what I need. But otherwise, no. Nothing that I value. Nothing that I care about. Are there any other tips that you would like to give people who might be thinking about doing a big trip? Yes, we have a thermos because we like to stop and cook some coffee and the best coffee is when you stop at the road and just uh, sort of stop and, and then you're, you're thinking about what you have been biking through and thinking of what you are heading to. Then coffee tastes very, very good. <laughs> That's a wonderful tip. So you should always have a thermos. <laughs> yes, with coffee. Thank you very much. Thank you. And good luck for the rest of your tour. The same to you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. Um, last I checked on their website, uh, they were they were somewhere in Thailand, and uh, so they'll be heading heading further south in, in the next uh, few months, I'm sure. And we uh, wish them all the best. And we'll put a link on our website to theirs if you want to take a look. Although it is all in Swedish, so you may need a translator to look at it. Well, I guess next up, since we brought you back to Turkey, maybe we should chat a little bit about our experiences there. Turkey was kind of a mixed bag for us. We loved Istanbul. Yeah, and uh, we loved some of the inner parts. and Definitely some of the sites were just amazing, huge. Some uh, of the Roman ruins, yeah. You go in there and... It, your mouth just drops open in awe with what, what they've done and the size of them. The other side of Turkey is that um, some parts of it are very touristy. So if you're used to doing wild camping and you're out in the hills and you've got a really peaceful, quiet experience, you feel like you've got the whole world to yourself, and then you roll in to some place like Selçuk, which is the town next to the ruins of Ephesus, very famous, and it can be quite jarring, actually. You get in there, and all of a sudden you're surrounded by touts, and they all want to take you to a hotel or sell you a tour, and you just have this feeling of, get me out of here. Yeah, maybe I don't want to go see this site. And, you know, that's going to be different for everyone, but we just... that was a little bit negative for us and we couldn't wait to get out of Selçuk even though the ruins of Ephesus were marvelous to see we were really ready to head off into the countryside again and we actually did head right into a countryside and very rural area which was uh, worked out quite nice the other maybe downside to Turkey and I suppose it depends on the type of touring you do and, and your budget but we found it more expensive than we'd expected we really expected a notch down in living costs from Europe and it, it really was just below par just below European costs I would say it was very easy to spend money there if you decided in particular that you wanted to have a beer at night or a glass of wine alcohol is quite heavily taxed there and that really put your budget through the roof so you shouldn't come to Turkey expecting that you're going to have a really cheap holiday like you're going to have in Syria for example where we're living very very happily and hardly ever spend over 25 euros a day even if we're in a hotel and eating in restaurants you know yeah in Turkey, it wasn't hard at all to spend maybe 30 euros on a hotel room. 
if we can say maybe one more excellent thing about Turkey, the country is huge, and so if you don't have time to cover the whole thing by bicycle, then you can always put your bikes on the bus. Yeah, there is a huge bus network in the country, and uh, basically any major town to any other major town, no problem, you can get a large bus and get get your bikes put on that. No problem at all. Well, when we say no problem, uh-huh. there will usually be a little bit of a song and dance. Our conversations usually went something like the bus driver saying, Problem! And then we would say to him, Problem yuk. Yuk means no in Turkish, so no problem. And then this would be repeated several times. And sometimes what the problem is, if the bus is very full, then the driver also may have to take on cargo. And it is a tight squeeze, so it's a good idea if you think you're traveling at a busy time to get there a little bit early and make sure your bikes are the first thing on the bus. But in the end, despite all the problem, no problem, lots of animated gestures from the bus drivers, we always got our bikes on and uh, they always arrive perfectly, no problems in terms of damage along the way or anything like that. And they don't charge you extra for them. Well, on that note, we've got some more thoughts on Turkey and bike touring in general for you from Paddy, who is from Manchester. Yeah, we met him uh, just outside of uh, Olympus, which is a popular backpacker tourist area. Um, Very laid back, uh, quite relaxing. And you get to sleep in tree houses, which is kind of fun. Which is kind of fun. It's a bit quirky, but (laughs) it'll work. Paddy starts out by telling us how his love of cycle touring started. He actually spent a number of years on the road, and he's funded a lot of it by working at farms along the way, which is something I think a lot of people are interested in, but don't really know quite how to go about it. So he gives us a bit of insight on that, as well as on his brand new bicycle, which he's not so crazy about. And he also shares with us his dream of maybe going around the world one day, so you might see him on the road to China. Here's Paddy telling us how it all got started. Well, it started because I'd run, out, I'd run out of my job and I didn't have a job. And then I couldn't afford to pay for my flat that I was rented in Cornwall. So I kind of sold everything. And the only thing I couldn't sell was my me, me £60 bike. <laughs> and so, basically, I read this story about this uh, Swedish guy who just set off to base camp in the Himalayas. And he kind of just quit his job, got on the bike. And so I kind of inspired by him. Uh, and then I just thought, why not? You know, I was single at the time. I had no no children, no commitments. And I kind of hooked up a job in Denmark for five weeks, picking strawberries. And then I went to Denmark on the bike and absolutely loved it. I just really loved camping wild and everything else. And then when I got to the place of work, I kind of got on really well with the boss. And then he made me the boss of the farm. And so it turned from a five-week holiday to a five-year trip basically this is one of the things i found really interesting is that you basically funded your cycle touring if i understand it correctly by going around and working on farms, farms. You, you didn't win the lottery before you went you didn't have some huge pot of money no. set aside or because no. basically well with the farmers it's it's kind of like you turn up and if if you sweat hard enough they respect you and then they'll just give you whatever you need you know what i mean they'll really take care of you because you're helping them and they actually appreciate the hard work that you do and it's kind of, within Europe at least, it's kind of, kind of quite simple to find, to find farmers who will actually support you. What did you do? Did you just knock on someone's door and yeah, say, "Yeah, just Here knock I am. on, knock on the door and say," because it was like Morocco, uh, Morocco. We'd basically we just pulled up to somebody's house, knocked on the door and said, "Can we have a bed for the night, please?" And people took us into the houses. They fed us, and they asked for no money at all, you know. And it was just absolute 
part of that part of the Muslim culture is to take care of travellers. You know, because Muhammad was a traveller when he when he became like the head of the Muslim whatever it is. Were you ever shy to so, do that? I mean, even after a year on the road, we're still a little reluctant sometimes to go knock on someone's door and say, please take us in for the night, or can we camp in your in your field? Hmm? We still haven't quite worked up the courage to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, some places I'm totally comfortable with it, and then other places I'm like, I don't really want to do this, you know what I mean? So I'll just find a spot to go camping for wild. But going back to the farming thing, it's there is like the woof organisations... And they're kind of good if you're actually planning, if you've actually planned to go around the world, because you can work in every single country of the planet. And you can actually hook up maybe five or six farms. And so you'll actually, if you turn up to one farm, you've still got another five options. If you don't like it, you can go to the next place and then just try and hit and miss. But then also you've got many, many hippie communities and some worshipping communities, like in Italy, where you're allowed to stay there, but you must practice their their religion type sure. of thing. So you must pray to the sun in the morning, and then you get your free free accommodation and food. It's all but a cultural it's, experience, eh? <laughs> Different everywhere you go. Yeah, it's just awesome. Like some of, some of the places are like some of them are quite scary because they're a bit too freaky, but then some of them just make you laugh. It's just just really nice people. What's you know? the best place you've been so far? Is there one that stands out on your travels? Or? hard thoughts here yeah. <laughs> well you must have enjoyed Olympus that's where we just <coughs> come from on the coast of Turkey and you spent about a week there yeah yeah. I'd, well I kind of didn't want to leave there <laughs> it was just so comfortable but uh, I think I think Morocco were the best just because we were knocking on people's houses and they were taking us in uh, the shopkeepers would talk to the shopkeepers for maybe two three hours and then they'd feed us for free uh, so and also I had uh, my girlfriend with me at the time and she she was the first time cycling in anywhere for her and she really really enjoyed enjoyed the freedom of it all so it's a kind of kind of memorable and I want to go back to your bike as well because you said that when you started you started on a 60 pound bike yeah 60 pound mountain bike you know how did that work? Because so often, you know, I mean, we're guilty of this as well. We went out and bought like a really top end one, mm-hmm. thinking we needed that for touring. But well, I, I was kind of, to... well, I was kind of looking at the older guys like uh, William Stru- William Struhl, I think it is, who set off in the 1950s and spent 18 years on the bike. And then you've got the German guy who's been on the bike for maybe 40 years, 44 Heinz years, yeah. and their bikes must have been basic. And then also I've been thinking, well, if I've got a cheap bike with cheap parts, then I should be able to find, like some of the countries I've been to, like the Eastern Bloc countries, but they just don't have bikes, bike parts anywhere. You kind of can maybe go to like a local garage and they'll actually be able to fix fix the simple bikes rather than the top-end bikes. Yeah. So, but I've spent, like my bike there cost me £650. This is a Doors you've got now. I've got a Doors now, yeah, Caracom, and I'm not really impressed I preferred the 200 pound doors discovery 301 I think it is and that's been the best bike I've ever had what's the difference why don't you like the one you've got or, or why were you in love with the last one I, I was in love with the last one because it took me through maybe 20 20 odd countries and it just was reliable and I trusted it and you kind of build up like a relationship with the bike so you kind of so you don't have to worry about it breaking 
because you know you're going to be able to do the distance. You know what I mean? So you just work, you just kind of enjoy the cycling. Like with this one now, I've had quite a lot of punctures and quite a lot of a lot of faults with it. So I'm kind of thinking, well, I know I can do so many kilometres a day, but I don't think the bike can. And so I'm like kind of waiting for the bike to break, if you know what I mean. So I'm not kind of enjoying it as much as the last bike. And you were saying the wheel size was a bit of a problem for you. Yeah, having having the 700c wheel size over this part of the world and also having Presta valves because they don't do Presta valves over here that I found in some of the smaller towns. So basically just... Well, I've ended up having to get some Allen keys and actually make the hole for the valve in the wheel bigger. <laughs> a bit of a so, bodge job then. Yeah, so it's kind of <laughs> like... The, the wheel actually fit the car valve. I think it's the Schneider valve, is it? Uh, tires into these into my bike now, but not really first. your ideal holiday task. <laughs> not really, no. And I'm kind of a bit worried about actually modifying it just in case it like broke the wheel, basically. So because I'm not that good at the mechanics of bikes, I just like enjoy riding them. And where are you going from here? Well, I'm kind of just going. Well, I've either got to get to Istanbul. Uh, or I'm going to Greece for Marmaris, and I'm not. Sh- I'm going to decide that in the next 200 kilometres, uh, and then basically I'm just going to get back to Prague, uh, where my friends are. And I'm going to spend the winter season over in Prague and try and get a normal job and go snowboarding. I think. Try and settle back in a little bit. <laughs> a little bit until next May, and then next May I'll decide whether to do what you guys are doing and just go around the world. So maybe we'll see you in Kashgar, China, sometime in the spring. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe Beijing. Right. Well, thanks so. very much, and happy travels. No, you too. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Uh, last we checked, uh, Paddy's back in Prague, and um, well, we never know. We might see him on the road somewhere, uh, maybe in China. China, Thailand, who knows? Paddy, we hope you uh, managed to realise your dream of going around the world, and we'd love to cycle some more with you. It was great fun, the short distance that we did. Well, I think that's just about it for this show. Our tea's getting cold, so that's number one sign that it's time to go or order another one, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and I think I'm going to actually get up get up into the queue for the bread now. It, it, uh, it's still coming out uh, nice and warm, so it should be good. This is Andrew's new cravings discovered as a cyclist. He just can't refuse <laughs> any piece of warm bread. <laughs> Over the next few weeks, we'll just give you a little summary of, of where we're going. We're going to head out into the desert, out to Palmyra, which is perhaps one of the biggest tourist attractions in Syria. Yeah, I think it's the main, basically the main tourist attraction for, for Syria in Syria. And from there, we're going to cycle along the Euphrates River and back to Aleppo. And then it's off to Iran. So by the new year, we should be uh, sipping tea in Tabriz. Yeah, hopefully uh, we'll be uh, somewhere in uh, Iran, uh, nice and warm. And they tell us, all the travellers that have been to Iran, if, if this is possible, we find it hard to believe, but apparently Iranians are even more friendly than Syrians, so we're getting really excited about going to Iran. Yeah, should be good fun. So next time we talk to you, maybe it'll be from a tea shop somewhere in uh, northern Iran, probably with snow falling. Should make for some chilly cycling. Yeah. That's it from us, so ha- have a great Christmas. It's going to be Christmas soon. And a happy new year. <laughs>